What a beautiful song. That's what we want. We want to see Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we can't pass uh, a very important detail this month. This Black History Month. And did you know that there is some very notable Seventh-day Adventists in our history as a church that were of color? So let's, let's, you, you might recognize a few of these names, but a lot of these names might not come to your, to your mind. So let's go ahead and, and put this PowerPoint up. I just want you to meet a few of these notable black Seventh-day Adventists that not only did history in our church, but also in society. Okay, so let's take a, a look at, at some of these folks. So let's go ahead and put the PowerPoint up. So it's very important we, we, we take a moment to thank God for these wonderful people. While they're putting that up, I just want to uh, add something to what Sharon was saying about the community services. Our center now is only open on Sundays. Uh, we need to give a little break to our volunteers. They've been working really hard. And so for the next few months, uh, we'll be open only, only on Sundays from uh, 3.30 to 6.30. So let people know we do have some flyers that, that you'll be able to give out also. But just a, a quick word on that. So if people come on Wednesday, well, we're, we're not going to be open on Wednesday. Okay, so let, let, let's take a look at, at some of these folks. So here we have this guy here. I don't know if you guys have met him or heard, read about him, Franklin uh, Byron. Uh, he was a student. Just to publish a book. Hey, amen. Then this is a, this one really drew my attention. So here we have Mary Brighton, uh, first female in Kentucky to be a licensed medical doctor, and one of the state's original Black Adventists. And she was also very outspoken in social activism. Amazing, amazing. So let's let's take a look at some more. So here we have James Alexander Childs. Uh, he got his GD from the University of Mis Michigan Law School. And he was the first black to practice law in Lexington, Kentucky. In 1910, he argued the, the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad case for desegregation before the Supreme Court, making him the first black to argue a Supreme Court case. Wow. And of course, this is a, f a familiar name. Sometimes we're a little bit hard on this guy. Because, you know, he received the vision to be a prophet of God. He he thought it was not his moment, and so, no, no, but he did some amazing stuff. So here we have Foy, a uh, seminary trained, who received two visions in 1842, which he lectured on extensively, published uh, in a 24-page tract in 1845. Uh, then the teenager, Ellen Gold Harmon White, went to hear Foy relay his vision several times in her hometown of Portland, Maine, and she later stated that it was remarkable testimony he bore. So after the great disappointment, Foy stayed faithful to God, and for over 40 years, he was in active ministry. Okay? Hardy, William Hardy, with his family, they converted to Seventh-day Adventism, uh, not officially incorporated at the time, in 1857. Whoops. Okay? So here we have... Uh, Something that's very important. He was elected supervisor of Gaines Township, Michigan, becoming the first black elected to office in the state of Michigan and the first Adventist politician. All right. Humphrey, James A. Humphrey, was a charismatic Seventh-day Adventist minister responsible for formally initiating the black Adventist presence in New York City, raising up numerous churches in Harlem. Also, it says here that uh, even though uh, he left the church, 
he left a lot of Adventists in New York. He left the church because he, he was not a, he was, there was a lot of fighting, racial fighting going on at that time. Uh, so let's go to uh, Charles First black ordained Seventh-day Adventist minister, pioneered evangelism and church establishment. Anna Knight was leading educator in southern United States and the first black woman of any denomination to serve as a missionary in India. Marie Pamur, known as the savior of the, his people, this is in New Zealand, was appointed. 25, and served as the nation's minister of health. He is credited with saving the Marais from decline with health and medical expertise obtained from Battle Creek College, American Medical Missionary College, where he obtained an MD, the first Maori to earn such a degree. Let's go with uh, Louis uh, C. Schaaf, uh, trailblazed, Seventh-day Adventist, Adventism in Washington, D.C. He was an important and controversial figure who fought for black equality in the first decade of the 20th century. Rosetta Douglas Sprague, eldest daughter of Frederick Douglas Sprague, converted to Seventh-day Adventism in, 1890, in the 1890s, was member of the Washington, D.C.'s first church. And this is awesome. I really enjoyed this one here. Uh, Truth was an abolitionist and women's right activist. You can read this in any encyclopedia. This is, this is someone that's famous in our country. Pioneers rest. So just a little bit about Black History Month, all right? So, what's going on this weekend? We do have our marriage seminar, which last night was, was awesome. And I know this afternoon some of you have made plans to join because you have talked to me about it. So, please, be there because we are talking about communication. Okay? And last night, we actually gave a receipt. We gave a receipt for the husbands that don't listen too well. Okay? So, watch this video and see what you think. Get that volume up. Okay, let's put that video again. Listen closely. Well, listen closer. Or this. Make sure it's... Okay, let, let me put it back and we'll start over. All right, listen. Men, how many times has this happened to you? To me. You know, we, our babies sleep really, really good. Or this. Make sure Timmy wears the blue shirt. If he does Or even this. And for my birthday, which is next month, I'd really like some of this. Do you have trouble listening or retaining information from your wife? You could be suffering from spousal selective listening or SSL. With SSL, valuable input is intercepted or scrambled before it reaches the critical learning center of the man brain. Virtually anything can trigger it, like sports, food, even shiny objects with buttons. Fortunately, there is help with Heritol. Containing a rare root <laughs> with an exotic name, Heritol helps men focus and listen to valuable female input, even pick up on those subtle hints. 
These are exactly the earrings I wanted. How did you know? Thanks, Heritol. Now I can hear it all. Heritol has not been tested or approved by any regulatory agency. Side effects with Heritol include minor to severe headaches and spontaneous combustion. Use caution when using Heritol near mothers-in-law, as you may hear hurtful comments that would have previously been ignored. Heritol is an enhancement drug. Do not use around children or clusters of talkative old blue-haired women. If focused listening lasts longer than four hours, consult your doctor immediately before your wife assumes this is a new standard in your relationship. Men with wives who are nursing or pregnant should not take this product. Heritol, the preferred selection or solution for selective hearing. Well, of course, that does not exist. So come to the seminar because we are going to teach you the techniques of being a good listener, a good communicator as husbands, as wives. You will be blessed. So please come this afternoon, 4 o'clock. And uh, actually, we're going to do some exercises that if you would go to a therapist, they would charge you $200 an hour for the stuff we're going to do this afternoon, and you're going to get it free. Okay, so please come out. We're going to do really amazing stuff uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock. So today the sermon is, I'm in love. And yeah, it's a personal testimony also. <laughs> so Sophia, I still love you. just like the, well, not like the day we met. I love you a lot more. Okay? So we are in love and we need to stay in love. Those of us that are married need to know how to stay in love. And the Bible talks about that. And there's someone that's interested that you stay in love and his name is Jesus Christ. He wants our marriages to succeed. He wants us to be a good witness to our community that God can save marriages and that good marriages still exist. So without any delay, let's go ahead and go to the topic. So this is Dr. Sternberg. This was a few years ago. He came up with a theory. And so before I talk a little bit about him, because he, he did an, a major, a major contribution to saving many marriages. And so I just want to read this to you. It's a, in, in James 1.17. And it goes like this, every good gift and every perfect gift is, is from where? From above and comes down from the Father of light. So obviously he was a Christian, but his, his theory on love, because love is also studied by the, uh, the behavioral scientists, the, the social scientists, the experts on family, and there's many books with different theories on love. He came up with this theory that was the triangle, the love triangle, and about three components that make up true love in marriage. So he talks about intimacy, which involves what things? Feelings of closeness, connectedness, and bondness. Passion, which involves feelings of desire and, and that lead to physical attraction, romance, sexual And then, up to, of course, he talks about decision or commitment, which involves feelings that lead. If we can correct the PowerPoints there, I think it's the wrong resolution. Uh, so he, he talks about that commitment that is made, which gives marriage a long-term relationship. So commitment is very important. Passion is very important. Intimacy. And so he talks about these three components. And the more you know the role that these components play in your marriage, then you can find where your deficit is. You can find out where you need to work on. Okay? And so he actually discovered that there's different types of love. Based on these three components, if you only have one of these components, it's a certain type of love. If you have this other one only, it's a different type of love. If you only have this third component, it's a different type of love. If you only have two and you're missing one, it's another type. If you've got these two and you're missing that other one, it's also, it's also a, uh, uh, a situation where not, your love is not complete in your marriage. Something is missing. Okay, so let's look at these uh, different types of love really quick. Let's see if we can get that back on the screen. So 
this guy, like I said, caused a major contribution to the study of family and marriage. So for many years, this was one of the concepts that many other scientists or family experts cited. They would go through his information and build on it, okay? So let's go ahead and, uh, and put that back on the screen, Elder. And we'll, we'll share these seven types of love really quick, and then we're going to see what the Bible teaches. There's, there's different types of love in the Bible also. In Greek, there's different terms for, for love. Love is, is not just love. There's different types of love. And then, of course, the Old Testament, which is going to be where we're going to really zero in uh, this morning. We have uh, the Songs of Solomon, which uses three different words to explain love. Okay? So here we go. Liking. When there's only intimacy, you only like that person. You get along. Uh, you know, you, you like to be together. So when there is only intimacy, as you can see here on the screen, you like that person a lot. So imagine what a mess marriage would be if you only like her. <laughs> or if you only like him. I mean, that's not going to work too well, right? Okay, so let's go to this one here, which is romantic love. There's passion and there's intimacy. They, they want to be close to each other. They're good friends. Uh, there's passion, there's intense uh, uh, sexual satisfaction, uh, they get along well in, in, in their intimate life. But notice that the word is called romantic love because that's what happens when you have an extramarital affair. You have the passion and you have the intimacy, you guys get along well, but there's no commitment. It's not based on a biblical commitment. Okay, so that, that can be pretty scary there. Let's go to this called companionate. There's intimacy and there's commitment. Okay, so they, they get along where they're, they're, they're best friends. Uh, they have made a lifelong commitment, but there's no passion. The passion is gone. And, and, and so their, their sex life is a tragedy. There's no, they're not satisfied in their, in their sexual life. They're, they're, they're having issues with that. But they, they get along well. Okay, and, and they can stay like that forever, and they can, you know, celebrate their 50 years of marriage, but there's nothing going on in, in, in the bed. So there's something missing. Now, some studies show that a lot of the arranged marriages start like this and end up with all the elements. Because I know friends, like from Singapore, I have a friend from Singapore where he's a pastor and he arranged the marriage of his kids. And so there was intimacy, there was commitment, and in due time, there was also passion. Okay? So, so that could happen in an arranged marriage. And in some of our countries, maybe that's something that's common. So let's go to this one here, which is uh, very dangerous, infatuation. This is when there is only passion. Yeah, you only want to be with that person in bed and in intimacy, but there's no commitment there's no friendship you don't even like that person maybe but everything is just about passion and then we have empty love yeah it's only commitment there's a lot of marriages especially christian marriages that are there because ooh, i don't want the church to say anything bad about us so they stay married there's no passion there's no friendship in their marriage but they you know we don't want to hurt our kids i mean we should we should probably get divorced but we don't want to hurt our kids, you know. And so they stay together just based 
on a commitment. But what type of marriage would that be? That's why it's called empty what? Empty love. And then this one is probably the most dangerous of all. The fatuous love. There's passion and commitment, but there's no friendship. This is where we have hasty marriages, whirlwind marriages, where these young people, they, they fall in love, they're, they're passionate, they, they get married, they make a commitment, but they didn't get to know each other. They're not friends. They don't know really what she likes, what she doesn't like, what he likes, what he doesn't like. So they're not intimate. Usually those marriages last very little. Okay? So here we have consummate love, which is intimacy, passion, and commitment. So when Robert Sternberg talked about marriage, he says we need all of these components. We need all of these. And, and so sometimes when, when you, you look in your marriage, you can figure that maybe you might be somewhere here on the outside and you need to be here on the inside. You need to have these three components. So it's something that, you know, I just wanted to sh- you to share because it could serve as a self-evaluation. You know, where are we? How passionate is our love? How, how, how much commitment do we have? And of course, are we intimate? Are we friends? Are we friends? So th- this is important. Let's go to what the Bible says about love, and, and, and especially in the, the, the time the New Testament was written, the official language was Greek. That's why we have the, the New Testament was written in which language? In Greek. Okay? So there are several words for, for, for love in Greek. We find this one a lot in the Bible. Agapeo or agape. It's unconditional love. That's the love of who? The love of God. Okay? And the love of God can be in us, in our renewed mind, when God manifests himself in us. And so we can read about that in 1 John 4, chapter 7, uh, verse 7 to 12. Let's, let's open up our Bibles because this is just amazing. I love the way uh, John writes about this. So let's go to our Bibles and see what he says. Starting in verse 9. We're in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Beloved, let us agape. Listen, the word that, that, that John is using is agape. Let us love unconditionally with the love of God one another. For agape is of God, and everyone who agapes is born of God and knows God. He who does not agape does not know God. For God is agape. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is agape, not that we agaped God, but that he agaped us and sent his son to the, the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so agaped us, we also should agape one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we agape one another, God abides in us. And his agape has been perfected in us. Let's go to uh, verse 16. And we have known and believed the agape that God has for us. God is agape. And he who abides in agape abides in God and God in him. So the Bible presents us agape as that unconditional love which God showed us through the death of his son on the cross because he sent no, no, notice how the agape love is actually, and I, I actually re- wrote it here for you guys. So it's the action model. 
it's a verb. Agape is a verb, which is action. God so loved the world that he sent. He sent his son. Agape is action. Unconditional love. And, and then something that I really found interesting is that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says that it's the fruit of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can give you agape love so you can love your wife, your spouse, your husband. You can love others with agape love. And, and, and I like the way that the, the Bible says, it says the fruit. It doesn't say the fruits because a lot of times we say these are the fruits of the Spirit. No, the text doesn't say that. The text says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then all the other things of being kind and, 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 and tolerant and, 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 and patient, those are the results of having the fruit of the Spirit. So just a little bit of uh, theology for you guys, right? Because the text doesn't say the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It says the fruit of the Holy Spirit is agape. And then those other characteristics flow out of that fruit. So that is very important. So agape, unconditional love. Let's go to phileo. Phileo is the love between friends. It's companionship. It's friendship. And we find that in John chapter 21, verse 15. So let's go to John chapter 21, verse 15. Uh, someone preached about this not too long ago here in our church, one of our guest speakers. You remember when, when he illustrated that conversation between Jesus and Peter? So, so let's go there real quick. So when they had eaten breakfast, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you agape me more than all of these? What word did Jesus use? Agape. And then Peter answers and says, Lord, you know I phileo you. In other words, I haven't gotten there yet, Lord. I do consider you my friend. You're my companion. You're very important to me, but I don't have that conditional love yet. So Jesus asked him again, do you agape me? And he answers again. He says, Lord, you know I feel low you. And Jesus, which understands our shortcomings, he understands our limitations. He knows where we're coming from. The third time, he, a he asked Peter, do you feel me? It's so important to go to the original, to the original language. So the, the third time, the third time, he says, do you at least, phileo me. Do you consider me at least your friend? And he says, Lord, you, you know everything. You know everything. So this is a very important type of love. And in marriage, imagine if she's not your best friend. That could be an issue. If he's not your best friend, that could be a problem. So in marriage, our best friend needs to be our spouse. We have to have this type of love, this phileo love in our marriage. And actually, that's what I did my dissertation. So uh, we'll make plans maybe in the fall to give that, uh, share that with the church, maybe a marriage retreat or something. But we talked about friendship in marriage. So let's go to this third term, eros. That's where we get our word erotic, okay? So it's the sense of being in love, romantic love, sexual love or passionate love, which, of course, this love is important in our process of procreation, and the formation of deep, long-lasting bonds of strength and trust. That's why sex is only for marriage. You can't have sex outside of marriage because that breaks all the trust. Makes the person feel like they're on the sideline. They're not important to you anymore. 
So th this is very, very important. Of course, this word does not uh, appear in the New Testament, okay? But it does appear in the Bible. Uh, it really emphasizes this type of love in the Bible. But the specific word eros is not found in the, in the Bible. Storage. Oh, I love this because it's all about family, right? So storage is the love of the family, the, the parent-child relationship, the relationship between siblings, cousins, etc. So the love of family is called storage. In a very close family, agape is felt as well when, when you have that, that, that family tie when, when, when the siblings, when mom and dad and, and brothers and sisters, they have this type of love, agape usually manifests itself. Now, something that I love about church is that in Romans 12.10, let's go to Romans 12.10 so you can get the context. Okay, let's go to Romans 12.10. Look what it says here. Romans 12.10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly, brotherly love. And so here is something that Paul does, which is amazing, because he, he, he uses a compound word. He used philos storgos. This is a term that's unique because it, it delivers a message to the church that the church is a family. So it uses the word phileo. We're friends in church, but we're more than friends. We are a family. Amazing. So these are the different types of love that is used in the, in the Greek language. Now, let's go to my, my part that's the, the, the most passionate part of, of today's message, which has to do with the three words that are used in the Song of Songs. Because that's the most romantic book, the most deepest book that talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife. So I'll just leave this with you. I think this is where we have to strive as, 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 as couples or as church. God is agape, and he who lives in agape lives in God and God in him. So like I was saying, the Song of Songs describes three types of love or three flames. So let's go ahead and bring those candles over here. I'm going to illustrate it this morning because the illustration is so important because it's what usually stays in our, in our mind. So there's three Words used to illustrate love in the book of Song of Songs. So first of all, we have Raya. Let's say together, Raya. Raya, thank you. So let's go ahead and, and, and light this one first. So we have raya. This is the first flame of love that's presented in the book of Song of Songs. See if we can get this flame going. That's what happens in a lot of marriages. They can't get the flame going. So I hope. Come on. Well, let's work on this one then for now. Okay, so this word is translated how? What does it say there? Literally, it's translated friend or companion. This is the only book in the Bible where a husband tells his wife, you are my friend. And you can find that several times. And it's the only place in the Bible where she calls her husband friend. And here's an example. 
in Song of Songs chapter 4, verse 7. It says, you are beautiful from head to toe. My dear friend, my dear Raja, beautiful beyond compare, absolutely flawless. So here they're saying to each other, we are friends. We are friends. So this component of marriage is important because this is one of the flames that makes marriage worthwhile when your husband, your wife is your friend. So we have another Another word that's used in, 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 in the Song of Songs, and this is aava. Let's say it together, aava. Aava. This is love with such deep... Let's go back here real quick. So here it is. Love with such deep affection that leads to commitment. It leads the couple to make a decision to join their life to one another long-term, forever. So this is the commitment component. Sounds something like Strongberg was talking about. You see how all the wisdom that men get that is worthwhile comes from the father of lights, right? So here we have this, this term here, Aava. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 7. Many waters, have you read this? I think you've read this verse before. Many waters cannot quench Aava. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for Aava, it would be utterly scorned. So this is talking about the commitment, that promise that you made to your husband and your wife to be together forever. This is the second flame. So let's go ahead and, and put this here. We can make this flame here. So now we have two flames. So we have friendship and we have commitment. But there's one more term that is used in the Bible to talk about love. So let's go ahead and go to the, the third word. So this is dad. Let's go to dad. Let's say dad. Dad. It's translated in English literally as carouse, to rock, or to fondle. And it deals specifically with the physical, sexual, erotic aspect to a relationship. So let's see if we can get this one going here. Hopefully. I think this is where marriages are having a lot of problems because this doesn't, this doesn't want to work. All right. So let's pray for our marriages. They can have some more dodd. They need more dodd. Can we hear an amen? amen? All right, don't speak too loud. You might turn it off. All right. So Song of Solomon, let's go to chapter 1, verse 2. It says, May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his dog is better than wine. Okay, so here we have the third, the third flame. It's that component we, we saw with the theory with, with Sternberg where he talks about passion, right? So here we have Song of Solomon saying that this is also something very important in marriage. That physical aspect is very important. So let, let, let's go to my summary of the book of Psalms, which is in the next slide. So these are three flames that need to what? They need to burn together. So I didn't bring, I was going to bring this big candle and put all these flames together, but then I have an issue with like, because 
I could start a fire in the church. Okay, and so literally we're not allowed to use big candles in the church. That's why they're suggesting that Pathfinders also use the ones that have battery now <laughs> instead of those candles when we do our programs. So, but imagine if we put these three flames together, we will cause a bonfire. Okay, we will cause a bonfire. And that's what God wants in our marriages. He wants these three components. So, so look, look what I wrote here for you guys. We are created by God to have what? Friendship in our marriage, commitment in our marriage, physical passion in our marriage, bound up together in what we would call love. When we separate the flames, it can never satisfy. I'll, I'll put an example for you. Let's say that you have friendship and commitment, but there's no physical passion. Something's missing. Or let's say that you have commitment and physical passion, but you don't have friendship. Okay? Something's missing. Or, 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 or let's say that you have the commitment and you have uh, the passion, but you don't have friendship. Something's missing. So either way we go, if you just have one of these components, something's missing. If you have two of these components, something's missing. We must have all of these three flames in our marriage. The Bible is so profound when it talks about marriage. The Bible is so profound when it talks about love. And so today we have a, we have a challenge. If you want to stay in love, you need these three flames. You need these three flames. So my altar call today for those that are married is the following. Are you willing to ask God, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in such a way as a husband or a wife where you can kindle these flames, where you can take care of these three flames. Yes, you made a promise, you're committed, but that's not enough. You have to be best friends, and yet that's not enough. You have to have that physical expression of love. You have to have that passion in your marriage. When one of those elements is not there, you will not be totally satisfied. So are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit to bless your marriage? And if you do have these three flames, keep it going, brother. Keep working on it. But if one of these three flames has turned out, you know, you might not believe this, but it did turn off again. So, yeah, I think next seminar is going to be about sex in, in our church, <laughs> you know, in our marriage seminars. Yeah, there it goes. And I'm glad that we're working with finances because that's the number one reason Adventist couples end up in divorce because of bad money management. Anyway, so we have these three flames. So once again, how many of you are willing, how many of our married folks are willing to ask God to bless these three flames? Can you stand up? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to ask God to bless your marriage. I want you to have passion in your marriage. I want you to have friendship. And I want you to keep committed to your spouse. I want God to deliver to your marriage the blessings that he wants. He has amazing plans for you. He has amazing plans for our home and families. And I was just reading this week a book that we actually gave away last night. And one of the gifts that we gave away, it, it, the, the, the father there, it, it's a book about 
how to be a better parent. And it talks about how important it is that we demonstrate that commitment to our children. They need to see that we're committed. They need to see that we're best friends. And yes, if you kiss your wife once in a while in front of your kids, that's good. Okay? They need to see you holding hands, embrace each other. When you get home and you give a, a bear hug to your wife, uh, they need to see that. They need to see the passion. Because they will replicate that when they grow up and get married. They need to see these three flames in your marriage. They need this. So let's bow our, our heads in prayer. Dear God, we are so thankful for your word. We thank you so much for the deepness of love in the Bible. We are astonished. We are in awe about these three flames in marriage. Help us, Lord, to kindle these flames. If one is burning well, it's not enough. If two are burning well, it's not enough. We need all three flames so that you can do for our marriage that which you want to do. Bless our marriages, bless our families, bless our church, that our church can be made up of strong marriages. Because if in our church we have strong marriages, we will have a strong church. If we have a strong church, we will have strong leadership. If we have strong leadership, we will have strong stewardship. If we have strong stewardship, we will have a church that will be missional. And if we are missional, Jesus will come soon. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Help us to take heed, to make the changes necessary to have these three flames in our marriage. Thank you so much for listening to our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.